we normally stand for the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to let you be seated for the first time in 30 years, probably. So we'll, if you'd read with me, please, in unison, verses 2 and the succeeding even-numbered verses through verse 10, that would be appreciated. I'll read verses 1 and the succeeding odd-numbered verses through verse number 9. At 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and reading responsibly and, again, bringing tradition, I'll let you remain seated. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into this, uh, shall I go up and say unto the, or excuse me, any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said unto Hebron. So David went up thither, and his two wives also, Ahinaham, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. And his men that were with him did, his, did David bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there were, they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were they that buried Saul. And David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead, and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have showed this, his, this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and hath buried him. And now the Lord show kindness and truth unto you, and I also will requite you this kindness, because ye have done this thing. Therefore now let your hands be strengthened, and be ye valiant, for ye, your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah hath anointed me king over them. But Abner, son of Ner, captain of Saul's host, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, and, gave, and made him king over Gilead, and over the Asherites, and over Jezreel, and over Ephraim, and over Benjamin, and, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David. May God have his blessings in the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts, dear God, in this passage of Scripture. We pray, dear God, and we do a work of grace in the hearts and lives of those that are re have received Christ as Savior and those that have not. We pray that you'd work, Holy Spirit of God. We'll thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Angels to beckon me near 
Amen. Amen. Let's stand once more and 
Thank you, Leigh, for playing the piano. Thank you, Daniel, for leading music. Thank you, congregation, for singing. Take our Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 2. 2 Samuel chapter 2. Two weeks ago, we were in 1 Samuel 30, the second and last chapter of the book, of course. We looked at the life of David and David's account of uh, returning to Ziglag. And uh, find the city was burned, of course, and the women and children and all his cattle and everything was gone. And the Amalekites, of course, came in and took everything. And, and uh, he, the, the men that he led, the 600 men that led, spake of stoning him. And, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. And we chronicled the fact that David was no doubt at rock bottom in his life. A man after God's own heart. He was about 30 at this time, of, time in his life. And he lived to be about 70. David was, had a life full of troubles. So I'm glad to know that the man of God man after God's own heart is made of the same flesh and bones that we were, we were made of, of course, obviously. And, and uh, he hit rock bottom, and most everyone in this room at one time or another, if you haven't uh, already, you'll, someday you might be at rock bottom of your life, where the only place to look is up, of course. And we get to chapter 31, the last chapter of 1 Samuel, and we see that Saul is slain in battle, and uh, his three sons are slain in battle. Get the... Bring up the speed here. David's been running from Saul for 10 years probably. Been running for like a dead dog for his life. And uh, he's been hunting and hounding and he's at the end of his rope, so to speak. And he comes after a three days journey. God delivers him from, in chapter 29 of 1 Samuel, not fighting with the Philistines against his own brethren. And God intercedes in that and he comes back three days journey. Remember the story? And he comes back to see Ziklag burned and he goes on a 24-hour uh, hunt for, God says, go and uh, you'll recover all, of course, and he fights a battle for 24 hours. He's been up for several days straight, no doubt, been fighting battles, and uh, he's, he's exhausted. And he, we get to chapter 31 again of the first Samuel, and evidently on the heels within hours or days at the most, uh, the Saul is in battle with the Philistines, and he's killed, and his three sons are killed, and the word gets back to David in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel. And we get to chapter number 2, and David, he's exhausted, but he's praiseful to the Lord, and he's, he's uh, gotten back on track with the Lord. He's pl- climbed up out of the pit, and he's, uh, uh, he's, he's sought shelter with the Lord, of course. And I want you to notice uh, David staying on track after having risen from rock bottom, and once you've been in rock bottom and you've looked up and you looked at Jesus Christ to, to be your savior and to be your deliverer, of course, we need to want to stay on the solid rock of our foundation and our, our Christianity of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. And I want to give you several truths and challenges for getting back on track with the Lord. I don't know your situation this morning. Some of you are already on track with the Lord. Some of you are maybe off the track. Maybe you're... you're uh, You've, uh, you're not following the Lord at all. Maybe you're not saved this morning here. I want to encourage you about and admonish you about today's the day of salvation, of course. But I want you to notice as we begin the dissection of this, uh, just a, of this chapter, it's all 32 verses here. We won't have time to look at all of them, of course. But look at verse number one as we begin this morning. And the first truth and challenge to stay on track and staying on track once you've come up out of the pit, out of, from rock bottom and uh, 
uh, a life of despair, of course, and no place to turn but the Lord. And David turned to the Lord and he, he was delivered. But it says, and it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said unto him, Hebron. I want you to notice the first truth or challenge for getting back on track with the Lord is to seek his will in every uncertain situation. David, back in 1 Samuel 30, you need not turn there, but verse number 6 was our text verse. And the men spake of stoning him. His own men spake of stoning him. He's at the bottom of the barrel, ready to just pack it in. And the Bible says, but David encouraged himself at the Lord. Sometimes our only encouragement we get is, you can get is from the Lord, of course. David went to the source and uh, asked for encouragement. It's interesting that David, if you go back to verse 20, chapter 27 of chapter, or 1 Samuel 1, and 27, 1, the Bible says, and David said in his heart, this is months before uh, the battle at Ziklag, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me uh, uh, and seek me anymore in the coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. We see that David didn't inquire of the Lord at all when he made the wrong decision to go and yoke up with the Philistines to fight against his own brethren, Saul, and the, and the Lord again interceded in that great way, in a, one, in a, in a great way, and David was uh, released from fighting with the Philistines, and he went back to Ziklag, and we know the rest of that story already, but David, he, when he went to Ziklag, uh, he inquired, uh, before he went to Ziklag, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, uh, he called Abiathar the priest, and uh, he brought hither the ethod in, in, in inquiring of the Lord, uh, his will, of course, and God said in 1 Samuel 30, go up. And now again, he, we see him inquiring of the Lord. He inquired two things. He asked two questions. He said, first of all, when? When shall I go? And it's implied, of course, in the Verse number one, and the Lord said unto him, go up. And David said, whither shall I go up? And he said unto him, Hebron. First of all, David said, when shall I go? And the answer was really immediately. And uh, he's just got done, things are happening in rapid fire, of course, and he's, God's going to give him supernatural strength again, and he's going to go and do the Lord's will. He's going to go to Judah, the southern, in the southern kingdom of Israel, of course, and he's going to uh, and you might ask the time, what's the time to come back to the Lord? There's never a wrong time to come to the Lord. David, David uh, uh, knew that his, this was his time to come, to come to the Lord. He went to the Lord and asked him the first question, when? when? When should I go? If you're here and you're not saved, when should you be saved? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you should receive Christ as your Savior. Now is the accepted time, 2 Corinthians 6 says. Now, if you're here away from the Lord as a child of God, now's the time to come to the Lord, of course. And the time is now, of course. David asked the question, when should I go? And the answer was now. And he asked, where should I go? And you notice again, it says in verse number uh, one, the latter part of the verse, go unto Hebron. So David went up thither, verse two, and his wives also, Anaham, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. And he asked, where should I go? And the answer was to go to Judah, in the southern kingdom of Israel, of course, and Judah and Benjamin were there. Judah is the, the place of the Lord. Judah, the word Judah means praise. He inhabits it's a, it's a place of praise. And he asked him to go to one famous city in Judah, the most famous city of Judah, which would be Hebron. 
Even today, Hebron is the, one of the four holy cities of Jerusalem. It's Palestinian controlled, but it's considered one of the four holy cities of Jerusalem. It's found 78 times we find the word Hebron in the Bible. It's, it's a very famous place. It was the place that Abraham, uh, for Abraham, it was the place of fellowship with God. For the spies, the 12 spies, it was the place of fruitfulness. For Caleb, it was the place of uh, working faith. Uh, for the cities of refuge, it was a place of forgiveness. And for David, it's going to be the place of a fresh start, a new beginning as he's going to be anointed king of, uh, uh, of Judah, of the southern kingdom, of course, in Hebron. So Hebron was a, a, the, the place that he was to, to, to go. Uh, where are we to go as Christians? We're to go to the place of praise. We're to go back to the, in Isaac's case, he was to go back to the house of Bethel, the house of God. And um, we had Back to Bethel Sunday a month ago, of course. And uh, uh, when things are not going right and you're away from the Lord, the best place to get is back in the house of God, back in the house of praise. And, and David, uh, um, now he's on, starting on a new trek and he's on just staying on track. He started off by seeking his will in every uncertain decision. We asked the question, what do I do next? And sometimes I just want to encourage you, uh, uh, the Bible says, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. And sometimes there's many decisions that we make that we don't know what God would have us to do. The Bible says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Let me say it this way. The, will, the what of the will of God is more important than the where of the will of God. You try to walk in the will or word of will of God and God will direct your paths as he sees fit. So live for God where you're at now in Torrington, Connecticut, or New Hartford, Connecticut, or wherever your, your town is. And live for God and uh, ask him daily what you, what to discern his will in your life. And so uh, the first step, the first challenge, uh, truth of, of getting back on track with the Lord is to uh, uh, seek his will in every uncertain decision. But verse number three, notice it with me. And his men that were with him did David bring up. Who were his men? Well, those 600, uh, 200 that stayed behind at the Brook Besor days earlier and were too tired to fight. And the 400 that went on, and uh, the Bible calls them men of Belial. The Bible says about these men, that the, the, the ones that wanted to kill him, quite frankly. These, these men that uh, the Lord brought together in 1 Samuel 22, 22 it chronicles the fact that, that these men were from this area that they're now going back to, this area of Hebron. It says, and everyone that was in distress and in debt and discontented, we would say this way, the, these losers... Now, don't, I know I'm getting a little slang here, but uh, before we're in Christ Jesus, we're, we're really losers, to be honest with you. We think we're winners, but we're really losers because we, if you don't have Christ, you don't have anything, of course. You don't have eternal life, and uh, we're, we're in debt, we're in distress, we're discontented. And, uh, but David's going to bring these men along, and when you, when you stay on track, you, uh, second thing, second truth you need to know is that when coming back to the Lord, bring others with you. David brought these men with him, the same guys that wanted to kill him just a few days earlier. He went up to battle with them, and, and he honored them, we're going to find out. It says, every man from his own household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And uh, so th these men are going to become David's mighty men as we get to the end of this chapter. 39 of them are chronicled by names, of course. And uh, bring others with you. Whether you know it or not, everybody in this room is an influencer. Everybody in this room is a leader. And uh, the Bible says, no man liveth or dieth unto himself. When Peter went fishing, he took seven men with him, or six men with him, rather. 
when the Philippian jailer got saved in Acts 16, uh, his whole household got saved. Uh, I love the story of Bill Barron. Somebody remember Bill Barron's by chance, just a handful of us. He was with us 10 years ago. Bill Barron's was a Vietnam Marine Corps vet, uh, drill instructor at Paris Island, of course, and a Golden Glove State Boxing Champion of Pennsylvania. The proverbial tough guy, of course. And when he got saved, gloriously got saved about 50 years ago on, uh, on a, in a Baptist church on a Monday night, on Monday night, I said. And uh, six days later, he walked into church with 27 of his friends and loved ones, and, and uh, they all got saved and they all got baptized, of course. He led scores of people to the Lord in the first few months he was saved, of course. When Bill Barron's got saved, he brought a lot of other people along with him. But I think of another negative story that I'll keep uh, vague on purpose, uh, going back to some of you old timers would know what I'm talking about, and going back 20 plus years ago, in fact it's been longer than that, 25 years ago, back at the old church. I, I've given this story before, but I have to be elusive on purpose uh, when I give you this story, but certain somebody we led to the Lord and brought into Christ, and they had a life of, uh, just being blunt and being frank here, they had a life of drugs, life of alcohol, life of debauchery, they'd been in prison and so forth. They had gloriously saved when they started coming to church. They didn't even have a car. We brought them to church and uh, helped them out and so forth. And uh, his family decided that he was in a, they, were in a, they were in a cult. And uh, they, they had to get, get him out of their church because it would ruin his life, of course. And he went back to the things of the world. You can be an influencer either for good, to bring people along to Christ, or an influencer for bad. I think of another somebody that... Uh, uh, he, somebody that was in our church many, many years ago, and he decided to go the way of the world, and now all of his kids are going the way of the world. And uh, David said, I'm coming back to the Lord, I'm bringing others with me. And so verse number four, notice the third truth in this getting back on track. It says, verse four, and the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. Notice thirdly, when you come back to the Lord, when you're staying on track, blessings almost always put in italics, blessings almost always immediately begin to take place the moment you obey the Lord. This would be David's second time that he would be anointed. He would reign over Hebron, it tells us in verse 11, I believe it is, for seven and, seven and a half years, and he would reign in Jerusalem for 33 years, for a total of 40 years, obviously. And he was anointed one first time as a, the boy, uh, a tween, uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 years of age, Samuel anoints him as to be the new king of Israel when he was a teenage boy. Now he's anointed again at the age of 30. He's going to be anointed a third time at the age of 37 when he comes to Jerusalem, of course. And, and so uh, God's, uh, we've received, if you're in Christ, you've received the anointing of God. You've received the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. You've received Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been anointed. We're, joined, we're kings and priests with God. And uh, we've already... It's hard for us to comprehend this, and we're living in this mortal body still, but we receive all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're already justified if you're saved in Jesus Christ. You're already sanctified. It's a positional sanctification, not a practical sanctification. We still sin in this mortal body, and you all know that to be true. We're justified, we're sanctified, we're, we're glorified. We're already, the Bible says it's already a done deal. We're already seated in the heavenlies. God, we're as good as there. God's going to take us to heaven when we die, and we're going to reign, live and reign as kings and priests forever and ever and ever. What am I saying? I'm saying when you get saved, when you come back on track with the Lord, blessings almost immediately 
begin to take place in your life. You've been anointed by Christ and God's blessings are upon you. We get to verse number five and through seven. And David said, verse number five, David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh Gilead. Now it's good to know your geography and know who the men of Jabesh Gilead were. And they were men from the tribe of Manassas, which was in the northern kingdom, of course. It was the largest tribe. And these men of Jabesh Gilead, you need to know the story. When Saul fell in battle in chapter 31 of the first Samuel, they, I know this is grotesque, but we're all adults, we can handle this, obviously. They, they, the Philistines cut off his head, they cut off his hands and his feet, and they pinned his body up on a wall in their, in their city, of course. And these men of Jabesh Gilead, mighty men of valor, they went and they stole back the body of Saul and gave him a proper burial as their king, of course, risked their lives to do that, of course. And they were from the northern kingdom. David is down in the southern, he's down in southern Judah, in only Judah, and part of uh, Benjamin uh, welcomed him, of course, and he became king there in Hebron, but not king in the north, of course. And David uh, wanted to honor the men of Jabesh Gilead, and it says in verse number five, and David sent messengers. Uh, excuse me, verse number, uh, yes, verse number five, I already read the first part about it. It says, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have showed this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and have buried him. And now, therefore, the Lord show kindness and truth unto you, and I also will requite you this kindness, because we have, uh, ye have done this thing. And uh, so he incurs a blessing on him in verse number seven. Uh, what do we learn from this truth when you, you get back with the Lord? Be, thirdly, or fourthly, I should say, begin immediately to be a blessing to others. The Lord said, if you freely received, and we've all freely received, as you freely received, so freely give. To whom much is given shall much be required. We've been blessed with salvation full and free in Christ. We're to share that with others. We're to immediately be a blessing to others. Your, your next door neighbor, the best neighbor he should have is, should be you. It should be a child of God. It should be, we should be a blessing to all that we come around. Now, what was David doing, by the way, in verses 5 through 7 with these men of Jabesh Gilead? He blessed them. He was building a coalition. He's been, and little by little, these men would come. Uh, he, he, he killed them with kindness, and he loved them. The Bible says, Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And David, David came into authority, and... Uh, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. David, uh, immediately, he, the authority he had as a king of the southern kingdom, he, he immediately began to bless others. And uh, as we've been blessed, we need to bless others as well. We get to verse numbers 8 through 11. And notice the fourth truth. Let me give you the, the truth here, and we'll read a verse or two. Not everyone will be pleased with your obedience to the Lord. If you come back to the Lord... It's not, not everybody's going to be happy about you serving, serving the Lord. Some people are going to be upset about it. And uh, we see verse number eight, but Abner. Now Abner would be the, tantamount to the five-star general of the, the house of Saul. Saul, of course, is dead, but his son Ishbosheth uh, is still alive. And Abner crowns Ishbosheth as the king over uh, Gilead, verse number nine, and uh, the Asherites and the Jezreelites and over Ephraim and over Benjamin and over all Israel. And uh, not everyone is going to be pleased with you if you serve the Lord. Of course, they didn't, they didn't, they're, you're going to have outright opposition. If not a few, many people will outright oppose you. And uh, 
But verse number 11, it says, In the time that David was king in, in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. I reference that because uh, we believe the events starting in verse number 8, Abner, that he didn't try to usurp, uh, get the uh, king of Ishbosheth uh, crowned king of Israel until three to five years after David was in Hebron. It looks in the text, and almost if you just read it superficially, that this all happened like this, just spontaneously within uh, a day or so. This is years have gone by, of course, and uh, uh, but w- we are w- we are called to uh, uh, understand that we're going to have enemies along the way, and that uh, not everyone will be happy with us uh, being obedient to the Lord, of course, and so. Uh, Go to verse number 17 for time's sake here. Look at verse number 17. It says, uh, excuse me, verse number, oh, verses 12 to 16, there it is here. And Abner, verse number 12, the son of Near and the servants, the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of Zerui, and the servants of David went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon, and they sat down. and Let me paraphrase the story from verses 13 to 15. It's kind of a grotesque story, but 12 men from Saul's army or Abner's army, and 12 men from the southern kingdom from Joab's army. Joab, Joab was a five-star general of David's army, and also David's cousin, of course, and the son of Zeruiah, it's referenced in verse number 18, he had, Zeruiah had three, three sons, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel, and they'll all factor into this story, but uh, the, the, the battle is taking, the battle takes place, and uh, these 12 men, they thrust each other through, 24 men die all at once in a, in a almost a suicidal, they grab each other by the head and they, the 12 men of Saul uh, kill the 12 men of, uh, uh, of David's men, of course, obviously, and the battle ensues, of course. So uh, you must understand that battles in life, uh, in, in the life of a faithful servant of God will inevitably come. There's going to be battles in life and this is going to start a, a, little, a little war here, of course, and uh, uh, I want you to know the Bible says, uh, verse number 14 it is, and Abner said to Joab, uh, let the men play now, and let the young men now arise and play before us. Abner, again, Ishbosheth's five-star general, he instigates the fight. And uh, as Christians, we shouldn't be looking for a fight. The fight, the Bible says, if possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, we're not looking for to be uh, to have a fight, but uh, when the fight comes and it can't be avoided, uh, Joab said in verse 14, Joab said, "Let them arise, and uh, we need to fight. We need to not retreat. Battles are coming to go, of course. And I want you to think of World War II or any long protracted war. There's plenty of battles that good people lose, and uh, and uh, uh, but you can lose a battle but not lose the war, of course, and. God ensures us now, verse number 17, it says, And there was a very sore battle that day, and Abner was beaten, and the men of Israel before the servants of David. 
And uh, point number seven in regards to getting back, staying on track with the Lord, getting back with the Lord is God ensures us of more victories than defeats. And just like in battle, this, we're gonna lose, you're going to lose some battles. David's going to lose a number of battles in his life going forward. And he's a man after God's own heart. He's one of the greatest men in all the Bible. And uh, he's going to lose some battles. We're not going to win every, every fight. But we, always win, we ultimately win the war. We're more, more than conquerors for him that loved us. And Christ before us, who can be against us, of course. And uh, a single battle can be fought and won in a day. But our warfare lasts an earthly lifetime. Look at chapter 3, verse number 1, if you would, please. See, we can read, this, we can read chapter 2 in obviously several minutes, of course, but... The Bible says, chapter 3, verse 1, Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Seven and a half years of a war. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Uh, I want you to notice that overall, Christians that live for the Lord and stand, stay with the Lord Jesus Christ as their firm foundation... You're going to win more battles in the long run than, those, than, than, than not, of course. You're going to uh, eventually, and you're going to win the war, of course, obviously. And so we get to verses 18 to 23, and I definitely will have to paraphrase this for time's sake, obviously. Uh, verse 18, it says, uh, And there, there were th three sons of Zerurai, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. These were, Zerurai was David's half-sister, for the record. And these were, this would make these three men David's cousins. And in the battle, Asahel, uh, is chasing Abner, and Abner's, uh, they're on a route, uh, they're, they're, they're losing the battle. And Asahel, verse number 19, pursued after Abner, and in, the going, and in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left hand, but from following Abner. And Abner looked behind him and said, Art thou Asahel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said unto him, Turn thee aside to thy right hand or to thy left and lay thee uh, on, uh, hold on one of the young men and take thee his armor. Uh, but Asahel would not turn aside from following him. And as we read the passage of scripture, uh, Asahel's running for his life, or rather Abner's running for his life and, and uh, Asahel's not going to let up and, and uh, he evidently turns his spear and he thrusts him through the next two verses and uh, he dies on the spot, of course, and, and everyone... Uh, Stops and uh, David's trusted one of David's five-star generals, his cousin, is killed, of course. And sometimes, you need to understand this, that sometimes God in his sovereignty allows a good soldier to die. I don't understand it. Of course, I just turned 65 here a few weeks, few weeks ago. I've had four pastor friends in the last couple of years, two during COVID, uh, Pastor Richard Smith, dear, my, dear, my dear friend from... Uh, Norfolk, Virginia, and Pastor John Lonnox from Jacksonville, Florida, that's pastor pre preaching his church, 61 and 62, died of COVID. And then, uh, of course, Brother Joe Coburnett, obviously Caleb's uh, uh, father-in-law, Jennifer's daddy, of course. Uh, we were uh, college friends, of course, and uh, worker friends. Uh, we lived in Rockford, Illinois together, taught the same Christian school, and 61 years old, he died of a heart attack, of course. And then Chris Baker, just several months ago, over a 40-year pastor over in Rhode Island, of course, at 64, uh, suddenly died, obviously. Why do good men die? Well, first of all, we all die eventually, and uh, we don't have no guarantee of tomorrow, but the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord, and uh, all things work together for good to them and love God to them are called according to his purpose, of course. And so 
I can't answer that question, why good men, better men than I, and uh, no, no offense taken, but uh, better people than you, better servants of God than you that die before at a young age, of course. Uh, Asahel was a servant of God, if you will, loyal to the king, and yet he lost his life, of course. And, and uh, that's in God's sovereignty. Uh, just accept it as God's, God's doing, of course, and we'll understand it better by and by. But we get to verses 24 to 29, and the Bible says, And Joab also, uh, Joab and, also, and Abishai pursued after Abner, and as the sun went down, they were come to the hill of Ammon. And, and uh, let me just paraphrase what takes place here. Verse 20, 26, Abner, uh, I can visualize this in my head, having been to Israel. The valleys in southern Israel, if I can describe for a minute, uh, they're amazing to see. The, the, the valley floor, maybe the width of this auditorium are not much wider or maybe even skinnier than that. And, uh, but we saw plenty of, uh, plenty of mountain sides where the valley was maybe the width of the auditorium and the hillside literally almost on a 90 degree angle on one side and the other side 90 degree angle. And I could see how we, we see this in the, the Psalms, uh, the Samuels and the Judges where uh, you could stand on one side of the mountain and uh, be only a couple hundred yards away as the crow flies to your enemy. And I could see them shouting back and forth, but uh, to get to the other side would take hours uh, several hundred feet of cliff, of course, and this is evidently is what took place here. And uh, Abner uh, sh- 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 cries out to Judah, and he basically says in verse number 26, I want you to look at it. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall a sword devour forever? Knowest thou not that it, it will be bitterness in the latter end? How, shall then it, how, sh- how long shall it be then? Ere thou bid the people return from, notice this, from following their brethren. Let me give you the point, uh, first of all. Good soldiers are compassionate with the enemy. Uh, Joab, uh, Abner uh, returns with a soft answer. A soft answer turneth away wrath. And Joab realizes that he's fighting against his brethren. Uh, Jesus said to love your enemies. Uh, let's get something straight here, folks, for the record. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting a holy war, it's true. If you're a child of God, you're, you're on the team, team Christ, team God, of course, and uh, uh, there's team Satan, team devil, of course, and uh, saved versus the unsaved. But I want, to, I want to remind you that we were all once, we were all once upon a time, Ephesians chapter 2, all dead in trespasses and sins, we were all the enemies of God at one time, we were, there's something to the brotherhood of man. We're all got the same blood flowing, flowing through us, same chemical component of blood f- flowing through us. And we're all, one day we were the enemy. One day we were uh, en- en- enmity against God, of course. But God, who is rich in mercy, reached down and saved us and plucked us out. And we don't fight a war that's against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So we have a spiritual war. And our enemies are really not our enemies. They're our brethren. And we need to win, win them to Christ. And Someday your enemy, and it's going to happen in this story as we go through this book of 2 Samuel, that uh, these enemies, we get, and Israel, the northern kingdom, is going to come and, and, and uh, anoint David king, and David's going to be king of the United Kingdom, of course. And so uh, good soldiers are compassionate with their enemies, of course. And then uh, uh, ask the question, what's your attitude towards the unsaved people in your world? Uh, in Luke chapter 9, 
when the disciples were going through, the apostles were going through the, the uh, land of Samaria, the northern kingdom, which this, the, the Israelites or Israelites, uh, uh, people were uh, a part of, of course. This is a thousand years later, of course, and uh, they wouldn't receive Jesus, the Samaritans wouldn't receive Jesus. And uh, James and Peter, James and John said, Lord, can we uh, or, uh, call down, John and James, I should say, said, can we call down fire on these uh, uh, these ingrates and make them like crispy, crispy critters. That's Marty Schott version, of course. Uh, can we uh, burn them up with fire? And the Lord said, uh, Thou knows, you don't know what manner of uh, spirit ye are of. Jesus said, Love your enemies, pray for them that persecute you and despitefully use you, obviously. And uh, 2 Peter 3 9 reminds us, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. So good soldiers are about compassion with their enemy, of course, and want to bring them to, to Christ, not uh, drive them away from Christ, obviously. We get to verse 30 and 31, and it says, And Joab returned from following Abner, and there is a uh, uh, peace, uh, was, uh, temporary peace was uh, ensued. And, and when he had gathered all the people together, there lacked of David's servants 19 men of Asahel, and Asahel, rather, and uh, 20 men that died from the southern kingdom of David's coalition, David's army. But the servants of David had smitten of, the Benj of Benjamin and of Abner's men, so that 360, uh, three, 303 score men, that's 360, it was a 20 to 1 ratio. Uh, understand this, that when you come back to the Lord, God gives greater victories to us than humanly possible. Remember back in 1 Samuel 30, the uh, Lord said that uh, when David pursued after the Malachites, of course, and uh, it was a huge disproportionate number, 400 going after probably 4,000 or better than that. And uh, the Bible says David recovered all. And uh, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that worketh in us, of course. Uh, through God, we can win far more. We're going to win far more than we lose, and we're going to win greater battles than we can possibly imagine, of course, and humanly possible, because if God be for us again, who can be against us? And we get to verse number 32, and the last verse of the chapter, is we, we, uh, it says, And they took up Asahel and buried him in the sepulcher of his father, uh, which was in Bethlehem, and Joab and his men went all night. And there we go again, another all-night journey, of course, uh, fighting all day long uh, on the heels of a, uh, the battle at Ziklag, on the heels of, uh, before that, with the Philistines, and uh, day after day after day of uh, exertion and exhaustion. And they came to Hebron at break of day and traveled all through the night, of course. And we get to chapter Three and verse one, I already referenced. And now there was long war between the house of Saul and David. And uh, know this: when you get back to, to the Lord and you get back on track, that God will continue to give strength to His abiding servants. Isaiah said this way: "But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." Sometimes it gets tiring in the Christian life. I admit that. And. Uh, I've said it many times, I, I thought uh, when I got older that uh, Christianity would be real easy for me. It's, uh, it's harder today than ever before. And uh, it's funny how that works, of course. And, uh, but uh, the same God is, uh, David's going to have some hard times still to come if you, 
If you know even a casual, uh, a casual acquaintance of Second Samuel, the entire book, of course, David's going to have some ups and downs, and that leads me to timeless truths. Battles are not won in a day. Uh, wars are not won in a day. There's long war. And uh, to surrender to God's will necessitates humility. Uh, bullet point number one. Uh, stay on track with the Lord requires a day-by-day humbling. I wish I could say uh, we could sing the song, All to Jesus I Surrender, uh, here in a few moments, and I uh, wish we could do that. And uh, say, if you make a consecration to the Lord, it'll, it'll last for forever. Or if you humble yourself to the Lord, uh, you've got to humble yourself today, you've got to humble yourself tomorrow, you've got to humble yourself uh, next week. And the truth be told, it's not even day by day, it's hour by hour, uh, walking in humility and the fear of the Lord. And so, uh, timeless truth number one is to surrender to, to God's uh, will necessitates humility, but secondly, surrender to God's will will demand availability. And uh, David said, uh, "Here, my Lord, uh, Lord." He said, "What will Thou have me to do? Where will Thou have me to go?" And uh, Isaiah said it this way: "Here, my Lord, send me." Uh, the best ability is dependability. Uh, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Uh, be faithful in the good times and the bad times. Of course, be available. Paul said, and Saul of Tarsus, when he was on Damascus Road, he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And then later on, he would write those verses of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice as a day-by-day sacrifice. And so every day we need to be available to the Lord. We need to, uh, every day we need to humble ourselves. But thirdly, understand this in this battle, this lifelong battle for the Lord. When we get to the beginning of chapter Two, David is 30 years of age when he comes to the throne at Hebron. He's going to reign for 40 and a half years. We believe he dies at around 71 years of age. David's going to have a lot of battles, and uh, he's going to have uh, a lot of enemies throughout his life. The man after God's own heart is going to have enemies, and uh, some of his own family, uh, his own trusted friends, his counselors, are going to turn on him, uh, some of his own kinsmen, some of his own uh, countrymen. So surrender to God's will produces hostility, uh, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about singing, he may devour. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So David had enemies, uh, no doubt, and he had enemies throughout his whole life. And David's going to make a ton of mistakes. And I don't know about you, but this encourages me. As we get to the end of this chapter, and we, of course we've got 30 more chapters to go through if you read Second uh, Samuel, uh, and uh, David's got 40 more years of life, and he's going to mess up, but he's God, man after God's own heart, and he, he's going to have to continually come back to that uh, necessity of humbling his heart, uh, demand to be available, here am I, Lord, send me again, and uh, uh, fight through our, our enemies, of course. And uh, uh, I'd love to sing this song, All to Jesus I Surrender, but we're going to sing just a minute, uh, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, page number 10. And let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray for those that are already on track, those that are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, uh, they've already come up from the pit of, uh, of uh, being at rock bottom, dear God, and they know that the only way to walk is to please you and to walk with compassion and humility. And, and uh, Lord, to love, love our enemies and to 
pray for them to despitefully use us, dear God. And the Lord, there's some here that might not know Christ as their Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd work in their heart and they need to receive Christ as Savior. Uh, Lord, uh, may they follow Jesus. May they go to the cross of Calvary and bow the knee and uh, repent of their sin and ask Christ to come into their heart and be their Savior, we pray. And ask you to bless in these just moments of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.